are about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Monday. Thanks for tuning in here today on the Steve Day Show via Westwood One, powered by CRTV. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with us as well. We got a short week this week. Got our spring break company vacation coming up, which not so coincidentally coincides with the uh, opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. It's funny how that worked out, huh, guys? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. been that way. Take that luck to Vegas. Coincidentally, for uh, three years that I've been working for you. Yeah, I mean, it's just total serendipity, blind, stupid luck. Stupid yeah. luck. I, you know, I like the way this whole thing works out, right? Yep. Steve at com is the email address. That's how you can let us know what you think about what we think. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. And uh, we did just finish production for today's television show for CRTV. Shall we give the audience a taste of what is to come? Todd, I'll start with you. Well, uh, I was uh, out of pocket this weekend. I was at the Mall of America. So uh, I had no idea until we opened up the show on the grotesque human tragedy that was the NCAA bracket reveal was. Um, yep. So thanks uh, for that slap of reality on Monday morning. And in the grand scheme of things, is it that big of a deal? No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but here's why it matters at the same time. It's, it's one of those neutral corners we have in our culture that we can retreat to. They may as well have taken a knee. Yes. It's one of the places we get we get to go to as a culture to yeah. still enjoy being yeah. fellow Americans and neighbors to each other, right? And you're like, et tu, Brute? We got to ruin this too. We got to jack this too. Put it and and no, they didn't politicize it. That would have been better. That's how bad it was. Had they social justice warriored it, it would have been better than what they actually did. How many... I, I talked about it a little bit on the show, but I didn't get your take. Like, how many seconds in were you before you said, like, oh, no. Wait, what, I, what, what, what? I, I looked at my... I looked down at my phone to see how far we, in, we're, we were in as I was tweeting this, and I put it in my tweet. We are three minutes into this, no. and I'm already ready to <laughs> three, fire everybody. Three minutes. <laughs> Aaron, what stood out to you about our television show today? Oh, man. the We should really be appreciative of of uh, CNN to the lengths for the lengths that they will go to get to the bottom of any story, even if it means going to, well, you have to see. Yeah, this puts a new spin on getting to the bottom, in fact, no <laughs> doubt. So that's coming up today in Fake News or Not. If you are not yet a subscriber to CRTV, today could be your lucky day. If you use my name as the promo code, that's DACE, you'll get a discounted subscription that'll give you access not just to our show on CRTV, but all the various programs we produce each and every day, beginning with the great one, Mark Levin, all the way down to us, otherwise known as other programming. CRTV.com, promo code DACE. All right, it's Monday. So some headlines from over the weekend. Because you know, I just was all basketball. I did get another chapter in my book written over the weekend. I, I did something constructive, you know? And I, I pretended to be a husband and father for a little while. But other than that, dude, it was all, all hoops all the time. So I'm totally behind on what 
actually happened in the real world. So Aaron, catch us up. We'll start off with uh, Trump's rally over the weekend in Pennsylvania, where he says that uh, we need to keep DACA because we don't have enough workers. For $1.7 billion. And I hear they want to stop it. They want to stop DACA. DACA is their issue. But I'm willing to go along. Get it done. We've got to get it done, right? Get it done. And besides that, you know, honestly, we need good, great workers in our country because I'm bringing a lot of companies into this country. We're not going to have workers for it. If you're one of those people that cheered that last part, as Trump said, we don't have Americans aren't good workers. So I need to bring in foreigners to take their jobs. Uh, Pox on your house. And um, whatever the most polite equivalent to a middle digit is. And here's your sign. You're a moron. You're, you're cheering someone else giving you or giving someone else your job. Last September, I was on uh, Meet the Press Daily with Chuck Todd about this because those supporting DACA amnesty were using the talking point that the average adult DACA recipient makes almost 50 grand a year and has some form of college education, which means they're better off than the average American is. Now, I don't believe in deporting. I think that's inhumane to deport a whole bunch of people who were brought here against their own will. Well, then, Steve, we have to do amnesty and give them citizenship. No, we don't. No, we don't. If, if they were brought here against their will, they can go through the same immigration process as everybody else. In the meantime, they can have a, as long as they've got a viable job, they can prove uh, you know source of income and employment. Give them a visa. Give them a worker permit, a work visa. We don't have to make all these people citizens. There's there's different stages of access to our nation beyond full-blown citizens where we just let them become Democrat voters for the next 50 years. That's a stupid idea. Not to mention, if, you're, if your talking point is these DACA recipients make all this money and go to college, that's actually a pretty good talking point for not doing it. Because um, if they're making all this money and taking positions in college, guess who's not making that money and taking those spots in a university? Can you guess who that is? Americans. You know, one of the this is a scam talking point. Every Chamber of Commerce Republican that Trump beat in the primary in 2016 used this exact line. Except typically when they've tried it, they said, Well, Americans don't want to be migrant workers. You consider fifty grand a year a migrant job, Todd? Uh no. No. Mo- neither would most of America, actually. Aaron, is fifty thousand dollars you use that? Are you picking somebody's <laughs> twigs and berries? No. No? Hell no, you're not. I think I think Americans would would I think Americans would clean tampon bins at Target's unisex bathroom for fifty freaking thousand dollars a year. You're right. Americans don't want to pick berries on some migrant farm uh, for some vineyard in Fresno for nine bucks an hour. I think we we see that we recognize that right. Mm-hmm. Okay. How many Americans would do a whole bunch of jobs though for fifty thousand dollars a year? How many do you think would do that? Oh, everybody not currently make, most. everybody not currently making $50,000 a year would. You bet they would. So that's the same globalist cuck uh talking point that you know the Lindsey Grahams of the world that Trump defeated in the primary, he's now using their language. And you've got people cheering him as he says, "We need to give your jobs away." You guys even suck at nationalism. Gosh, I think nationalism's a scam. I'm a better nationalist than you. 
I'm actually defending your jobs. I'm actually defending your native heritage as a native son or daughter of America, that we ought to give you guys first priority into divvying out the, uh, the uh, accoutrements around here. And some of you are sitting there cheering him while he's like, no, we need to give this to foreigners. That's why I call you a Trump cult. That's why. There's a difference between being a Trump supporter and being in Trump cult. And that's where you just stand up there and hoot and holler like this is, you know, freaking Lollapalooza. Yeah, man, play Freebird again, Trump. Fire it up. I got my cigarette lighter. Frampton comes alive. Freaking losers. And the thing is, at every chance he has shown, he is very sensitive to criticism from the right. Did you guys see his school safety proposal he put out today? No. Literally everything that he was saying about gun control that we complained about two weeks ago is not in there. It's all gone. Stripped it all. So the lesson here is, uh, don't treat him as Cheeto Jesus. Don't treat him as your celebrity crush. Leverage him. And he is, to his credit, willing to respond. By golly, if you gave me a choice, as much issues I have with Donald Trump, you gave me a choice between nice guy George W. Bush, who almost never cared what we and his base thought, and Trump that I wouldn't let anywhere near my daughters, who seemingly will listen to us if we pressure him enough. If, if I had to make that choice, you guys know I don't like false choices, but if you forced me, put a gun to my head, I'm thinking Trump, man. I'm getting more out of him than I would get out of one of these nice, nice Bush guys. Imagine what we get out of him if we weren't treating him like this was a Skinnerd concert on the Freebird tour in 78. I just, that stuff, guys, made me sick listening to it in 2015, 2016. And frankly, I'm just as annoyed, appalled, and nauseated by it in 2018. Well, as more than the, the cheering, which was a cultish minority, it Underneath it was just that stunned silence, like, um, I guess I just have to deal with this. And to your point, no, no, you don't, nor should you. Because later on, or perhaps before, I don't know, we saw the clip where uh, Aaron showed the clip on the show today. I assume it's the same event where he makes fun of Chuck Todd. Right. Like, again, cool, we're good, uh, making fun of the press. Hey, I love it. I'm first in line for that stuff. But w- there's no point in doing it if then the stuff we make the fun of the press before, the stuff they shill for, we sit there in sudden silence when this guy peddles it. You 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 cannot be going to these rallies uh, and, and just take the bait like that. Trump should have heard booze when he said that, and he didn't, and that's on you. Over the weekend... This op-ed appeared in the Washington Post by Ruth Marcus, entitled, I would have aborted a fetus with Down syndrome. Women need that right. Marcus talks about how there's a new push for anti-abortion in anti-abortion circles to, to pass state laws outlawing abortion of Down syndrome babies. She admits that the new Gerber baby with Down syndrome is really cute. And she says that uh, when she had her two children, she was old enough to get tested for uh, whether or not uh, her, her babies would have Down syndrome. And she goes on to say that had those tests come back positive, she would have had no problem with 
terminating those pregnancies. She said, quote, As tragic as it would have felt and ghastly as a second trimester abortion would have been, I would have terminated those pregnancies had the testing come back positive. I would have grieved the loss and moved on. End quote. She also says, accepting that essential truth that uh, you love your child for who she is, not her, for who she wants or who you want her to be. She says, but accepting that essential truth is different from compelling a woman to give birth to a child whose intellectual capacity will be impaired, whose life choices will be limited, whose health may be compromised. Most children with Down syndrome have mild to moderate cognitive impairment meaning an IQ between 55 and 70, mild, or between 35 and 55, moderate. This means limited capacity for independent living and financial security. Down syndrome is life-altering for the entire family. I've met Ruth Marcus before. Uh, several years ago, it was during the uh, 2008 Iowa caucus cycle, late in the cycle, she showed up at uh, my radio studio unannounced if I recall right because she had come out to cover the caucuses in the final weeks and she had heard there was this uh, radio show that was having a huge influence on what voters were hearing about the candidates particularly Romney and Huckabee and it was mine and um, she came down and asked if she could sit in with me one day on my show and she did she sat in my studio with me one day and I think she did reference me in the column she wrote about. I, I can't remember. But I have met her before. And I, and I only bring that up because when we were sitting in there, just being two, diff, two human beings, you weren't aware of this worldview chasm. And, pardon me, when you're sitting there and you're having a common laugh, you're just being fellow humans, having small talk, things of that nature. It, it doesn't dawn on you that the person you're in this room with would turn around and years later go to one of the most influential newspapers, which may be an oxymoron, given newspapers and their influence, but one of the most influential newspapers in America and literally admit that her love for her own children is conditional, which is one of the most heinous things any mom could ever say. It's just, it's vile. And I don't, I don't say that because I'm angry with her because I'm, I'm just deeply disappointed That you would say unannounced, you're not, you're not, you don't have to even, even if you think it, you don't have to write this. But to tell your children alive today that, that your willingness, your love for them was conditional on the basis of whether or not you thought their, li- their lives were worthy. What an awful thing for a mom to say. And if, if the children are so worked over by this worldview that they don't recognize it, that just 
to me, that doubles the tragedy here. That you would pass on that wickedness to your children as normalcy. Because when you boil it all down, what she is, what she's really saying, Ruth Marcus, in this column, is that her love for her children is conditional on her personal assessment of their worthiness. I'm sure she fancies herself tolerant and thinks Christians with their moral rules are a bunch of sanctimonious legalists asking people to live up to a standard they can't possibly live up to. (laughs) That's what she's guilty of. She is saying to her children, before they were born, before they could perform a single act of kindness, before they could return an ounce of her affection, that she alone would make the determination on their worthiness to be alive and loved. And there was, it, it was impossible for them on their own to meet her standard. She would apply it totally. That's just vile. It is vile and it is sad. And I think it speaks to what Gerber did with this campaign. The pricking of the conscience that they conducted. It is why I have advocated as, a, as someone who has written and spoken about the pro-life issue more than any other issue in my career. My strategy, I've always urged our movement to pursue, is to talk about the sanctity of life. Not the worthiness of it. And by Gerber putting that adorable child as its symbol, who just so happens to have Down syndrome. There is a light shining in the darkness, and the darkness has not comprehended it. By them doing that, Ruth Marcus's own conscience feels compelled. You ever read those scenes in the New Testament where people are seething under demonic influence? Have you come to persecute us before the appointed time, son of man? And you just think, how far gone must somebody be to even talk like that? What, 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 did, what did Jesus do that would compel you to out yourself as, yeah, I'm, I'm one of those people that he was warning you about. There is a light. Let me tell you what he did. There's a light shining in the darkness, and the darkness has not comprehended it. This is the spiritual equivalent of when you have the light on on your front porch in the summertime. Bugs can't help but gravitate to flying around it, even though they know eventually they will be squashed or singed to death. They can't help it. They're attracted to the light in the darkness. And that's what Gerber did here. They shined a light in the darkness. And Ruth Marcus could not help but expose and out herself. Because that's what conviction does to us. It, it, It compels us to come forward about who we really are when we're under conviction. 
So I would urge our audience, say a prayer for Ruth Marcus today. Because, the, 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 you know, Paul writes in Romans 1, we suppress the truth in our unrighteousness. Meaning, when we, when we have hardened our hearts, when we have given ourselves over to evil, we don't want to hear about good. We won't talk about it. We won't acknowledge it. We won't debate it. We won't confront it. We will suppress it. Bake the cake, bigot. That's what we'll do. But Ruth Marcus clearly is not given over to this yet. For if she were, she wouldn't be writing about it so openly. There is conviction there in the words that Aaron just shared she wrote. Somewhere in there, may not be at the surface, but somewhere in there is a conscience wrestling with what she's been confronted with. I don't think that's a hard heart at all. I think that is somebody attempting to justify a worldview that they know subconsciously is unjustifiable. Todd, your thoughts? Well, never be afraid when uh, the enemy or those in the league with the enemy say what they believe out loud. They are doing us a favor. But that's a favor we must grab to speak to the point Steve's making about her level of conviction. If only those who claim to be pro-life would be ready, willing, and able to match it because then it would be game over. It's not really about what Ruth Marcus looks like in the mirror. It's what you look like in the mirror, pro-lifer. Well said. Kim Jong-un, we didn't talk about this much last week. We'll talk about it a little bit tomorrow on the TV show, on the roundtable. Kim Jong-un has sent a letter, apparently, to President Trump. There's going to be a meeting between the two leaders. Apparently, uh, un is interested in um, getting rid of his nuclear missiles, and he wants the United States to establish an embassy in Pyongyang. Cue the laugh track. I said on Friday this is going to end with pallets of Casio. <laughs> Your initial reaction to this is what, Todd? Because I'm not sure what my initial reaction to it is yet. Well, what what Aaron said, um, all of uh, the past behavior uh, of this regime uh, points to that. Uh, remember, this is a guy who had his own brother uh, murdered. Uh, so I, I don't think s- this isn't like a guy who's blinking SOS with his eyes and like somehow reaching out to us. Um, you know, I'd like to get out of this whole mess. I, I just I, I would love to believe that's true. That would be that would be a fantastic movie and an even better reality. But um, it's what Aaron said. Why? Why? Can I can I interject, you can interject this? Why is everybody? Why is this even news? Like, I don't mean to be so hardline Debbie Downer uh, here, but isn't this the same pattern? This is just a continuation of the same pattern we've seen ever since before I've been born, before, uh, long before I've been born. You threaten, you threaten, you threaten, you threaten. Um, you flex, you flex, you flex, you flex, and then you uh, genuflect, and then you say, well, we're interested in doing peace. And then you get all sorts of rewards from that. 
and then the same cycle once those you know what whether it's oil or whether it's uh, you know reduced sanctions um, that lasts for a little once those kind of run out or have run their course you threaten you threaten you threaten you threaten again that's the same thing we've seen from North Korea this entire time isn't that just a continuation of this pattern I asked somebody that the other day well and he said well uh, everybody's excited because we don't know what's going to happen. No, we do know what's going to happen. We've seen this movie before. This is just part of the same pattern with North Korea. You threaten, you get, uh, you basically bilk uh, other nations out of uh, resources or rewards or th- something like that, and then uh, and and then you you do it all over again. Let me preface what I'm about to say with: the odds are ever in your favor. You're both right. Okay. And you know how I am loath to make Trump-Reagan comparisons because they're almost all flawed and bad. But I'm about to do one. Not because the two men are alike in any way that we wished, but they represent a similar dynamic to the foreign world. A paradigm shift. Reagan represented a paradigm shift to the communist world. They didn't believe it at first. They tested him. No, I'm not going to meet. And, and figuring, they figured eventually his own media. Now, this, I'm going back to a time when you and I are kids and before Aaron was born. So <clears throat> provide me a little backup on this, Todd, if I'm wrong. Okay. But the media was incensed that Reagan would not meet with Brezhnev and drope off and he once famously quipped well these guys all keep dying before I have a chance to meet with them because he saw nothing to indicate that they were going to change their behavior from what we saw from salt one salt two at all and he wanted to defeat them not accommodate them not not have mutually assured destruction he was looking to defeat them And one way you don't defeat your enemy is to grant them legitimacy, a photo op, propaganda. They can then go take back to their people. He finally agreed to meet with Gorbachev after Gorbachev pursued this meeting. Now, I know we in the West have this romanticized view nowadays of Mikhail Gorbachev, but also understand Gorbachev came to power in the Politburo the same way everybody else who came to power in the Politburo did. Same intrigue, same realpolitik, same some people just disappear in the dead of night. Nobody won a straw poll to take control of the Politburo, guys. Everybody got power by claiming it, taking it from somebody else. And Gorbachev got that power the same way Khrushchev and the rest of them did. Gorbachev, prior to meeting with Reagan, instituted a policy known as perestroika, which is Russian for a new openness. Now, at first, it looked highly cosmetic. Billy Joel got to go in there and sing. They brought, like, you know, 80s hair bands in there. Billy Graham went. It looked like they were doing photo ops. Until they went to Reykjavik, Iceland where Reagan finally agreed to meet with Gorbachev. And at that meeting, Reagan could see that there was something driving this openness. 
And it was the arms race. In particular, the Americans' pursuit of a new anti-missile defense technology that our own media had lampooned as Star Wars. SDI. The Strategic Defense Initiative. But if one side has the ability to defend itself from from a first strike that the other side does not, guess what we no longer have? Mutually assured destruction. Now we have one side is clearly superior. And the Soviet economy was dying. Reagan took a lot of heat for walking out of Reykjavik without a deal. And he did it because he recognized he had leverage over them. And he could get an even better deal. And eventually he did. The ICBM Treaty, which came at the end of his presidency. Reagan eventually visited Moscow. And the openness ended up leading, ultimately, to the collapse of the Soviet Union and the West. Here, here, is it likely you're right? Yes. But Trump is not what previous presidents have been. And that doesn't often work to our favor, but in this case it might, because he's a wild card. He's mercurial. He is just as likely to be dazzled by some great uh, you know, speech or some hottie in Kim Jong-un's harem and sign America's sovereignty over to him as he is to walk out of there and say the bombing will begin in 10 minutes. I think we agree on that, right? Yeah. When you have that level of instability, let me tell you, we're talking about the oons, real, recognize, real. The, if the oons know anything, or uns, whatever they're called, if they know anything, it's instability. <laughs> right? These guys, have, this is their family. They've lived with it. He's a wild card. There is a wild-eyed look in his eye. He might just be crazy enough. The guy standing up there calling Chuck Todd, one of America's leading journalists, a sleepy son of a female dog, at a rally for a candidate on national television, doesn't put off the same vibe as um, you know, Barack Obama and George W. Bush did, guys. And I can see why the North Korean leader would think, you know, I, I would like to look this guy in the eye. Because I want to know if that wild-eyed look is... He's just that crazy or if it's just all ego. And depending on the presence Trump presents in that room, he could give them an aura that he's just crazy enough to wipe them off the map. Or he could give off the aura that he's just a reality TV show star playing the, the, the role of president and can be easily duped if we can make, quote, a fabulous deal. And I think it's 50-50 which of those auras he gives off. And hell, it might depend on the day of the week. It might depend on if they have double, two meanings. One day he might get off one aura. The next day he gives off the different one. Okay? So I, I would not, you're likely right. But because he is something new on the world stage, I, I don't think it's not at least worth playing it out. I'm not saying I'm, I've got high expectations. But we haven't had an American president that represented a paradigm shift to tyrants since Reagan. He, 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 well, he may not, right? 
I mean, he was up there at his rally in Pennsylvania over the weekend, trashing Bush, Bush's foreign policy, yet he's the one continuing it. We're making Mosul great again as we speak, right? So that's why if you're in the North Korean leadership, you don't know who this guy is. This isn't some lifelong cold warrior like Ronald Reagan who, who, who was, was giving the warm-up speeches for Barry Goldwater, <laughs> all right? He was the guy Barry Goldwater put out there to say the stuff that he really didn't have the balls to say. Well, that guy's now president, and he's got a nuclear arsenal. Yeah, maybe this is maybe he's maybe he's committed. Um, so, Trump's not in this case. He's not similar to Reagan in that way, but he is similar to Reagan in that in that the old rules don't necessarily apply. Now, that does not mean the new rules will be good. But it does mean the old rules don't apply, and I can see why the North Koreans want to look him in the eye, spend some time with him, and find out, is this all hat, no cattle? Is this all go, no show? Is there no there there? Or is this guy really as nuts as he appears to be? And, and, and we could wake up one day in Pyongyang's a parking lot. So I think we should play this one out a little bit. Your thoughts? I'm not objectively opposed to a meeting but uh the the russians uh i mean that's that's the game the playing board is risk i mean that is actual realpolitik that is a leadership that is in some way connected to the goodwill of its people uh it's it's national heritage uh what we stand um, this is uh, north korea is is a bad circus. Uh, the Uns, I don't believe, care about their own people one bit. They, somehow, they in their they won this ridiculous, insane lottery there where they get to play, uh, be rich beyond belief, while everybody around them, you know, bows down to them. Uh, that's the difference in that. That dynamic is more the point to me than whatever Trump. Um, does or doesn't bring to the table and i don't know I don't that just, anything I, trump or anybody else could do to alter that and you know what you're probably right but that's another argument that's an actually an argument for trump having the meeting because that's what it looks like from us on the outside so just as just as i'm sure the north koreans are are trying to gauge how much of this guy's public persona as a wild card badass is is legit and how much of it is crafted because, you know, he can he's good at, you know, making girly men in the media cry. How much of what we have, we assume about North Korea are our assumptions and what we really know? Meaning, you know, this guy could represent like Gorbachev did. He was a cutthroat communist, too. But he was also a cutthroat communist that didn't want to preside over a over a dead letter. He could be the next generation that's like, you know, why don't we just do what the Shycoms have done? President Xi just is that's his name over there in China, right? They just amended their constitution on the fly to get rid of term limits. He's president for life. Why don't we just do what the Shycoms have done? Just modernize. Tell the West, here's all our nuclear arsenal for a trillion dollars. Modernize our economy. Keep me and my family in charge. Create a middle class. We'll rule this puppy forever. That thing, I could, we don't, see, we don't know the answer to that. That's why I think it's good to go in, just as it's good for, I'm sure, from their perspective, to size Trump up, see how much of this is a shtick and how much of this is for real. I think it would be good for us to do the same. 
Now, I don't know, necessarily know that I trust Trump's instincts in this case, because if they were doing a straight-up business deal, I don't know how many people on the planet we could get better to go in there and represent us, given his track record where that's concerned. But it's not a straight-up business deal, you know? And we've seen it. We've seen him back down on China. We've seen him back down on Mexico building the wall. We've seen him back down on decertifying the Iran deal. We've seen him back down on pulling out of Iraq, right? I mean, all the foreign policy stuff, he was almost all of it he was lamenting. He's back, he's back down on the courts when they've pushed back on him for extreme vetting of immigrants, right? I mean, he's, has, he, has he essentially backed down on every one of those talking points we cheered during the primary? Correct. Okay. So I don't trust his instincts on cutting political deals. But I, I think it's within both sides' best interests and therefore within the world's best interests to at least let them size each other up. The not knowing is killing everybody, I think. You're right. Chances are they are attempting the same version of the shakedown they, have, they did to the Clintons, they did to the Bushes, and they did to Obama. And it's, it's just every 10 years they need another payment, right? Okay? Chances are that's what's happening here. But if that, if that is the case, then we have nothing to lose. We knew that going in. We have the only thing we could do is the status quo is the worst we could have, which already sucks. So why not take a chance that maybe this guy fancies himself the North Korean Mikhail Gorbachev? Probably a three percent chance at that, but three percent more than you'd have if you didn't go. Final thoughts. Uh, one more quick story. I think that we need to get this in here. Okay. Um, Jill Abramson, she's a uh, former editor at the uh, New York Times. She wrote in The Guardian this weekend uh, that she keeps a therapy doll of Barack Obama in her purse to help her through the Trump administration. She didn't didn't do that. That's the onion. That didn't happen. That's... uh, Are you you sure that's not from the Babylon Bee? No, this is The Guardian. Yep. That's The Guardian. It's The Guardian. Again, it's important. Uh, it's important to get a that. Buddy of mine, former buddy from the Register, was he's of the left, but he's a good dude, and you can have a real discussion with him. And he posted something about the importance of a free press, and and I responded back. I said, "Well, that, that's that. It is really important. We should try that uh, sometime." And then somebody in his feed took umbrage. Uh, it very short, terse. Uh, prove your assertion. I just put the link to this. <laughs> I haven't heard back. Nice. This. Wow. Helmet sticker, Todd. That is, that's a mic drop, but they just handed you the mic and said, drop yeah. it on us. Why would you admit this? Because you're crazy. You're bad. Steve, they, that, this is just a perfect symbol for what they talked about all the time in my 12 years in the newsroom at the Des Moines Register. This is who they are. And always be grateful when they tell you who it is out loud. That's, they're doing us a favor. Uh, it's, it's like on the first date and the woman tells you, I, I'm not really that interested. Um, you know, if, if you marry me, you should just know I'm really not that interested in any kind of real sexual relationship. Or the guy who says, I'm not really that interested in full-time gainful employment. So, I mean, why? I guess, thank you for telling us the truth, right? I just don't know what you have to gain by telling us this. They haven't thought a lot of things through, Steve. Um, They're just doing things. You sure she wasn't just 
You want me to read the story? No. <laughs> no, I... Um, let me, let me... Now I know why we've ruined the NCAA tournament selection show. This is my point about the smart people in yes, the room, man. Now I, now I know. I, I know why. We, because They're not smart. It's easy to look at what's happening in Washington, D.C. in despair. That's why I carry a little plastic Obama doll in my purse. I pull them out every now and then to remind myself that the United States had a progressive African-American president until very recently. Yeah, she says... Brand- Some people find this strange, yeah. but you have to take comfort where you can find it in She Trump's ran America. the flagship journalistic institution of this country. She ran it. She decided oh daily what the content was and was not going to be. Journalism is magical, Steve. I, I, just, I got nothing. Just can't? I can't. I, I, I don't know what I could say that would do that story justice beyond just the story itself. Thank you, Aaron. Just propped up the uh, Cambodian smoking uh, toddler. That's about. That's where I'm at right now. Yep. Just grab a Virginia Slim. Puff puff pass, man. Puff puff pass. I love his cult just as much as him. Yeah, the kids. <laughs> the kids just in all like yeah. he's working was... that puppy like Humphrey Bogart and the Maltese Falcon. Yeah. Why can't I be that cool, grown man? Uh, this Monday needs an anima. Yes, and we're done. Only two more days, man. Can, can, can we be done now? Apparently, you're running the show, so I, sh- I need to get your permission. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah are, are you? Are we? Yeah. Can we be done after that? Because let me. Uh, any more soul stealing headlines? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've got nothing mm. left. Uh, yes, yes. You have stolen what is left of of my essence is gone after that. Yes. Like every straw man, when you don't, you really don't want your straw man stereotypes to really be confirmed. Because then it becomes, de- you're like, crap, it is that bad? <sighs> John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.